Amen. Praise the Lord. There's nothing like good music to stir the soul to worship. Amen. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I was not going to preach today, and I suggested that, and they said, no, 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 we want you to, we want you to say a few words, and so uh, I am going to finish up Habakkuk chapter 3 today, but I'm going to try and cut it a little shorter than I typically do, so if you have your Bibles and you could turn over to Habakkuk chapter 3 with me, we're going to uh, close out this series that we've been doing from this minor prophet book in the Old Testament. Father, thank you for your word and the power that it has. Thank you for the change that it brings, for the restoration, the healing, Lord, the maturity that takes place in our lives because of your word. And as we turn to it, I pray now that you would give us that nugget that we need to hear this morning that will change our circumstances and bring victory to our lives Let your anointing flow now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Habakkuk, as we began our series two weeks ago, we discovered is one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. It doesn't mean that his word was minor because what he had to say was just as important as what the major prophets had to say. It just means that it is smaller in nature. It's a small book. There wasn't a whole lot that was spoken by the the prophet Habakkuk. But what he did say was very important to us. Now those of you who have been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we've kind of journeyed with Habakkuk through a season in his life where he was struggling to know what God was doing in his life and in the lives of his uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we began in chapter 1, he started uh, with this idea of doubting everything that God was doing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but he started asking questions like, why, God? Why would you let something like this happen? Why? It makes no sense. And when are you going to change it? What are you up to? And when is it going to be different? And we discovered at the end of that day that we've all been to that place in our lives where God was doing something that we did not quite understand and because of it, we doubted His hand upon our lives. And then last week, we started about talking about how that Habakkuk was, was debating God. In other words, he was like Ford was a few years ago. They had a better idea for everything. You know what I'm talking about? And, and he was saying to God, God, this is an, an okay idea, but if you'll just listen to me, I think I can work this all out, and it'll be all right with me if it'll be all right with you. And he started debating with God. He started bargaining God with God. He started saying, Lord, if you won't use these Babylonians to come against us, and administer punishment against us, then we can do this, this, and this and bring ourselves in line with your will for our lives. So we debate with God oftentimes after we doubt God. How many of you have ever debated with Him? Have you ever had a better idea for God? 
And that's, that's where Habakkuk was in chapter 2. So chapter 1 told us about his doubting. Chapter 2 was about his debating. And now today we're going to talk about him defending who God is and what God was doing. So in chapter 3, I want to first of all mention to you that there are three things that we have to do if we're going to break through these seasons of doubt and debating, there are three actions that we must take and they all are unfolded to us in chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk. The first thing that I would like to point out to you is that there are times that we just simply have to be sensitive to what God is doing. It, the, the new word that we like to use is discernment. We have to put our discernment hat on and be able to determine what it is that God is doing. Look at verse 2 in chapter 3. He says, I have heard all about you, Lord, and I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, God, remember your mercy. And now notice the first four words in, in verse 3. It says, I see God moving. Oh, I could just stay right there all day long and preach on that, right? Right, that, those four words stir my spirit because I believe that there is a place where we can get in Christ and in God with the help of the Holy Spirit where we can see the hand of God as he is moving and understand it and know that it is God moving. Now, how many of you have a smartphone? Why don't you just grab a hold of it and hold it up? Let me explain something to you, and you probably already know this, but this little piece of technology here is really uh, quite smart and quite intelligent. This one has an accelerometer in it. Now, what that means is is that it can tell, it can sense when it is moving. And this particular phone, all I have to do is reach down and pick it up. And when I do like this, the, accelerator, the, the accelerometer knows that it is in movement. And so it turns the, the opening page on so that I can then move where I need to move in, on the phone. So it knows when it's moving. It also has a feature on it now that it knows when I'm in my car. And I told you this a few weeks ago. And when I'm in my car and put the car in drive or reverse and begin to move, this phone is so smart that it recognizes that I am moving. And if I try to text my wife, it says, no, 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 no. You cannot text her while you are moving and driving. And I have to manually turn it off before I can text or call anyone. Why? Because it senses when I am moving. What's interesting to me is it doesn't sense it when I am mad at it and throwing it against the wall because I don't understand it. It doesn't sense it when I drop it on the floor and I say, oh, I hope I did not break my screen today. It doesn't care about those kinds of things and doesn't turn itself on. But when I'm driving, it knows it and it will not allow me to text because it is sensitive to certain types of movement. 
And what I'm trying to say to you this morning is, is that there are times in our life that before we can move from where we are to where we need to be, we have to be able to sense when God is moving. We have to be able to sense when God is speaking. We have to be so close to the Lord that when He speaks, it perks our ears up and we know that this is no ordinary voice. This is no ordinary statement. But this is the Spirit of God trying to get my attention. And we become sensitive to His voice. He said, I have heard about you and I am seeing you move. Now, this is something that we see throughout Scripture. Do you remember Job when, when God tested his faith and tried him? You go all the way to the end of the book of Job, and after he has been through all that he's been through, he closes the book with this statement. He said, Lord, I have heard about you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. You see, there are times when we have to understand that God is speaking and that God is moving, and that's what he's saying here in chapter, verse 2. And then we go down to uh, verse 8, and we see something entirely different. First of all, we have to be sensitive, and secondly, we have to be smart. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be smarter than you are. Verse 8, it says, was it in anger, Lord? that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? And he answers his own question. And he says, no, you were sending your chariots of salvation. Now listen, this is very important for you to understand today because there are times that God is simply not going to do in your life what you want him to do. You can bargain with him all you want to, and there are going to be days that he says, no, I am not going to do that. Because I'm the one who sees the beginning from the end, and I know what has happened, what is happening, and what's about to happen. And if I give you what you're asking for today, it's going to cause a fit down the road when what needs to happen begins to happen in your life. So no, I was listening to, to country music the other day in my truck and Tim McGraw got on there. I, no, it wasn't Tim McGraw, it was Garth Brooks. And he started singing that song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Amen? You ever heard that one? It's about the girlfriend that he dated in high school and he thought, oh God, let me have her for the rest of my life. If you'll just give me that girl for the rest of my life, everything will be fine. But God said no. And when he saw her at the state fair, I don't know if she had changed or put on a little weight or whatever the case was, but he said, oh, thank God, you did not answer that prayer. Sometimes God's just going to say, no, I, you can't have it that way. And when he does, and we've got to understand that he is doing what needs to be done for our good. And for our best. And so he goes back in time and he remembers on two occasions when God parts the water for his people. The first time is when Moses is leading them uh, out of bondage and they're, they're running from the Egyptians. And it, I love that song, I'll not complain. The Egyptians, or excuse me, the Israelites should have learned that song. 
all they, they're standing there by the water and the Egyptians are coming and the king and it looks like that their life is in danger and they're not going to be able to make it and they start complaining. Oh, that we could go back to Egypt. You know, oh, that we could go back and make those bricks that we used to make. Oh, that we could go back and have some of the leeks and the onions of, of the old days. Oh, that we this. Oh, that we that. Oh, 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 oh. And we just sing that song of complaint. Oh, God. And then all of a sudden, God has a plan that they had not even considered. And Moses strikes the water and the water rolls back. And you know that they are able to walk through. Two million plus people walk through on dry land. And when they get to the other side and the Egyptians come through to try to, to capture them and recapture them, God closes up the water on them. And then there's another time when they're getting ready to go into the promised land and the river is out of its bank and it's flowing uh, in, in a season when they can't go get through. And God said to them, we're going to take this thing called faith up another notch I'm not going to just open it before you get in the water this time. Before the water rolls back this time, you're going to have to get your priest to step into the water. And when they step into the water, the waters are going to roll back and you will go walk through on dry land. And when you get to the other side, I am going to give you every place where your foot touches. And so Habakkuk, he says, hey, I remember hearing about those times when the water was struck and the sea was parted. But I always thought it was because you were mad or you were angry and you wanted to destroy something. But now I have gotten smart. I realized something that I never realized before. And it is that when you rolled the water back, it wasn't in anger, but it was to provide a way of escape. It was designed to bring salvation into my life. It was designed to let deliverance come to me. Yeah. Let me tell you, some, sometimes these things that we're complaining about and these things that we don't understand and these things that we don't like and these things that are bothering us are the very vehicle that God is going to use to bring salvation and deliverance into your life. So what do we have to do? Well, first of all, we have to be sensitive. We have to be open to the moving of the Spirit and what He is saying and what He is doing. And then we have to be smart enough to understand that it's coming from His hand. And then finally, we have to just shut up. We just have to silence our mouths. Have you ever had a time in your life when you just got tired of listening to yourself talk? I mean, just get tired of hearing yourself say this and say that and say this and say, and sometimes you just want to say, why don't I just shut up? Why don't I just be silent? You see, in verses 17 and 18, it says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. But what precipitated that was verse 16. Go up there and look at that with me. It says, I trembled inside when I heard the bad news. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who have invaded us. What he is saying is, is I can talk all day long. I can complain all day long. I can open my mouth and shoot my mouth off all day long. But if I'm going to see victory, I've got to understand that there's coming a time and a moment when God is going to move on my behalf. And until he does, it doesn't matter if there's a grape on the vine or not. It doesn't matter if everything that I have, everything that I owned, everything that I claimed as my own has been taken away from me, even in the middle of all of that I'm going to stand quietly and wait upon the salvation of the Lord. Amen. When I was a young man yesterday I'm preaching let me tell it the way I want to. When I was a young man and finally stopped fighting and debating God over being a pastor, which I never wanted to do. I had to go through the process that they call it the credentialing process. In other words, they weren't going to let me pastor a church until I was qualified and had the proper credentialing. So I studied and I took the test and I did all that. They asked me a question that kind of threw me for a minute because they said, do you promise to defend the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I was raised in southern Illinois, and to me, defense also means fight. It means violent. It means shooting your mouth off when somebody needs to be told off. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm thinking, now, this is a trick question. Because they're trying to find out if I'm sanctified or not. Because they want to know whether or not I'm going to fight every time something bad happens. And so I'm thinking, and and then I had this thought. I have to answer yes, because if I don't answer yes, they're going to flunk me. And then I have to go through this whole process again. Now keep in mind that when I'm undergoing this test, I am in the ladies' bathroom on the campground in Weatherford, Texas. So I'm already a little bit uncomfortable, you know? They had to have private interviews and they were out of rooms. And so the two guys that were assigned to interview me said, let's go to the ladies' room. I'm already nervous. I'm already sweating. And then then they say, will you defend? And I think I'm going to have to fist fight somebody because that that was my idea of defense. It was, it's the way I was raised. If you defend yourself, you have to say, 
put them up. I'm ready to put them up. I'm ready to go. Oh, you want, you want to have an argument? I'll argue with you. I can argue with the best of them. I can do it. I, I, you, if you need me to defend something and I feel passionately about it, I will do it with every ounce of energy that I have. But I somehow really did not think that that's what they were looking for. And though I said, yes, I will gladly do that, it took me several years to understand that it's not my job to defend God. Let me tell you something. God is in big trouble if he needs you and me to defend him. If, if God is waiting for you and me to go around to everybody in the world and say, let's fight. I'll tell you who's God. I'll show you that Jesus is Lord. You want to fight about Buddha? Come on. I'll take Jesus and me will take Buddha out any day of the week. Let's go. Let's fight. That's not what God is asking. And that's not what Habakkuk was doing. Here's the key right here. The best way that we can defend God and his principles is to just do what his word says do. Because when we do what his word says do, and we move beyond just being a hearer of the word, but now we are a doer of the word, what we are actually saying is, is I trust you, God, with everything in me. I'm not going to debate you. I'm not going to bargain with you. I'm not going to try and twist the word so that it will say what I wanted to say. I'm just going to quietly wait for the day that you deliver on your promises. Amen. That's what he said. He said, I'm going to be quiet if I have nothing left. If my livelihood is taken from me, if the fruit vine goes dead and, and has no fruit on, on it, I'm not going to worry about it because I know that God will take care of me. I don't know how he knew it, but somehow he knew what the Apostle Paul would say when he would say, my God is able to supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you want to defend the gospel, the best way for you to do it is simply do what the word of God tells you to do. Amen. And in doing so, you are defending the word of God. We have a lot of that right now in our world. People trying to tell us that all that we've believed through the years about Christianity is wrong. Trying to tell us that we've got it all mixed up. That there's another way. That Jesus is not the only way to heaven. There are many avenues by which you can get to God. But listen, I want to tell you in defense of the word of God, it still says there is no other name given among men where men might be saved. It is the name of Jesus. It is the only way to heaven. Aren't you glad for that today? So here's what. Some of us just need to do today. We may still be in that doubting stage. Let me encourage you to start believing what God says. Don't doubt anymore because when you doubt whatever it is God's doing in your life, you are putting a hold on His blessings. So stop doubting and stop debating. Well, God, if you'll just do this for me, I promise I'll do this for you. Oh, God, I know I've committed this sin 1,433 times. But if you'll just forgive me one more time, I promise I'll never do it again. 
And if you'll just stop debating with God and say to Him, God, I'm just going to do what Your Word tells me to do. Then if you'll do that, you'll find yourself defending the very principles of God. The very things that this Word teaches are the very things that you will start doing. And those things are the things that will release victory and blessing into your lives. Stand with me if you will this morning. Anderson family, come on back. We're going to close out with prayer and worship. Let me just encourage you to move forward in your relationship with Christ. Let me just encourage you today that if you've never started serving the Lord, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, how many of you know that He wants to come into your life today? All you have to do is simply ask Him. All you have to do is just say, Lord, I believe that You are who You say You are. And I'm asking You today to forgive me of my sins and come into my life How many of you know He's willing to do that? In fact, not only is He willing to do that, church, He's anxious to do that. He desires to do that. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Some of you have been stubborn with God. Some of you have just been fighting with Him over an issue in your life, and I want to encourage you today, stop fighting with Him. Stop trying to tell God how to do it. Submit yourself to Him and His authority in your life because His way is better than your way. He has more wisdom than you have. He has more knowledge than you have. And if you'll submit to Him and just do what He says do, it will be the key that unlocks the door to blessing in your life. I'm not being mean to you today. I love you. I'm your pastor. I care about you. I want to see you mature. I want to see you grow. I want to see good things begin to pour into your life and flow into your life by the hand of God. But you're going to have to do it His way or that's never going to happen. How many of you know that's true? Amen. I want the prayer team to come if you would and position yourself up front and we're going to close and we're going to allow them to lead this song with us and we're going to worship. And if you have a need of any kind today, maybe you need to give your life to Jesus Christ and you'd like to do that this morning or maybe you're sick in your body and and you need a healing touch of God. Maybe you have a financial need or maybe you need the joy of the Lord restored to your spirit. Whatever it is that you have need of today, how many of you know that God is able to fix it? I like that song. Fix it. Fix it. God doesn't use duct tape, does He? So that it's always falling apart. He doesn't fix things that way. When God fixes it, He fixes it good. He fixes it right. Amen. It may take you some getting used to to having it fixed in your life. You may have to change the way you've been living because something God fixed is different, but He can fix it for you. I know that, and I believe that today. So this morning, if you need prayer, the very second they begin to sing, 
I want you to step out of your seats and come down this way and let this prayer team pray with you today. And then when we're finished, we will dismiss and we will commit this day into the hands of the Lord and the good blessings that He has poured out upon us. Would you sing for us? And will you come for prayer today?